Welcome to the Work Done Right podcast, where we talk with industry professionals to discuss best practices in construction, manufacturing, and maintenance. I am your host, Wes Edmiston, Director of Product with Cumulus Digital Systems and 15-year construction industry veteran. Our guest today is Brianne Stewart. Brianne is the Construction Technology Manager at Milwaukee Tool and an industry leader in developing innovative solutions that deliver increased productivity and unmatched durability for professional construction users. Brianne has an extensive background in the field of engineering, previously holding engineering positions at John Deere and Procter & Gamble. She received her Bachelor's of Science in Mechanical Engineering from the University of Iowa. Brianne, welcome to the show. Thank you, Wes. Um, so we uh, we first met on a panel like a year and a half ago at a Bill Worlds conference, yes. and here we are in person <laughs> at a Bill Worlds conference. Uh, so thank you for joining. Uh, so so we got to know each other a bit, kind of over over the last year mm-hmm. and a half. But really, just kind of a question: of How what what got you into engineering in the first place, and kind of what what dragged you into this 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 career mm-hmm. with Milwaukee now? Absolutely. So it was kind of a mistake that I fell into engineering. <laughs> they, uh, the University of Iowa um, sent some pamphlets to my school promoting their engineering program, sent it to the math classes, and our math teacher grabbed a, a friend of mine, and she she and I were both pretty good at math, and he's like, you should like go on this tour. And like, wait, we get to go to Iowa City on our own. We're 16 <laughs> and it's excused for a day. Right. And we get to tour around the campus. He's like, yeah, go on a tour of the engineering college. So we went and loved it. And at that time I was actually pre-med. I want, I thought I wanted to be a doctor and um, was told biomedical engineering was a good way to get into med school yeah. and distinguish yourself. So I started in biomedical engineering as a pre-med major. Found out I was much better at engineering than I was <laughs> in anything related to the health field. Right. <laughs> and um, so I actually was at a career fair and wasn't really finding anything I want to do with biomedical engineering. So I just decided I'm going to go start talking to companies that I like and see where it goes, see who they hire. So in a career fair, I um, come from an ag background, went and started talking to ag companies and they all hired mechanical engineers. So that was like, I'm going to switch to mechanical engineering. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, and then was fortunate enough to get quite a few internships in the, the manufacturing process engineering field. And I loved it. I loved being able to work out in the factory and work with these advanced machines and, mm. and the operators on the floor. And, and I took it from there. What uh, what what specialization did you want to do as far as pre-med? Like what, what sort of doctor did you want to be? I was all over the place. I was going to be either a pediatric or orthopedic surgeon. I was obviously I, I wanted I was pre-med originally. I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. Yes. And do you ever do you ever think back like what would my life be right now had I continued down the pathway? I think it's a totally different school. A a good friend of mine, actually, he was right in the same Mm -hmm. track. We want to be the exact same thing. We want to be orthopedic surgeons, specialty in sports medicine, shoulder, elbow, and knee restoration, Mm -hmm. right? Work that will forever be there. It's also very rewarding. Uh, And like three years ago, he just finished residency. He's now an anesthesiologist. Mm Mm-hmm. I've had a full life at this yes. point, right? Like I've you know, mm-hmm. done, done my full career and, and even you know mm-hmm. exited one career. You're just finishing school. Chris, what are you doing with yourself? Yes. For me, engineering was also so nice because I didn't. I don't come from a family where a lot of people went to college. Right. And so it was amazing to just have a degree that 
you did the right things. You got a paid summer internship. Right. Um, I was I took out loans to pay for college, so it was important to me than the the salary after yeah, uh, that I back. could pay it back. Because similar, I still have friends that are paying off med school debt. That yeah, that's rough. Yeah, uh, yeah and, and, and mechanical engineering is is very transferable into mm -hmm. really honestly any industry. So yes. You, 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 to me, it sounds like you made the right decision. I, I hope so. So <laughs> far, it's been well, and it has been nice because I've been able to work. Um, I worked on toothbrushes to diesel engines, and now I'm in power tools. And mechanical engineering has been a, a good way to move around the industry and, yeah. and find a, a spot. Yeah, it sounds like it. So <laughs> so that brings you now to your time with Milwaukee Tools. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how long have you been with Milwaukee? What sort of changes have you seen in the, really the, the power tool game since you've joined Milwaukee? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I joined Milwaukee Tools six years ago. Okay. I came in as a project manager for our advanced manufacturing uh, team. So we actually build a lot of our own prototyping, testing, production machines. Mm -hmm. Uh, for me, it was a good transition away from the auto industry, which uh, can be very slow, very controlled by uh, regulations, and just the the pace of growth that we've had at Milwaukee over the six years. I think we were about one and a half billion in revenue when I started in 2017, and we're projected to hit 10 billion this year. So wow, um, we've seen all credit goes to you on that. <laughs> yes, definitely. Definitely the, the project engineer and the advanced engineering team in 2017 was that key. Yeah, no, really, the, it was a turnaround that started with uh, leadership change in, in 2007 and really mm -hmm. took off in 2012. And I was I was fortunate to join in 2017. From my perspective, we the growth we've seen just in the power tool business unit, and the, the complexity of tools and the productivity there has grown, but then also our auxiliary business units, the accessories, the hand tools um, business unit. We just opened a brand new factory in Wisconsin to meet hand tool demand, um, as well as our, our safety and our um, software and, and material storage uh, business units. When I joined, they were maybe one department, if not just one small group of team, and now they're their own business units. Wow. So, so you've seen a lot of growth and change in really all aspects of really, we'll say tool development and technology across Milwaukee since you've joined. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The um, technology that our teams are using, plus the technology that we're seeing in the tools themselves and what customers are looking for now has changed. It's a story I think you've probably heard over and over again, but the, the regrouping throughout COVID and afterwards has really accelerated what customers are looking for. For, yeah. for solutions. Yeah, that makes sense. There, there's definitely been a lot changed in, across the, the, the industry, manufacturing or construction mm -hmm. since then. Yeah, I'm curious for you, again, there's, there's been a changing landscape, a changing landscape in you know, the, the needs and the demand for, for uh, different tooling and technologies. But you, you know, with your involvement in the advanced product roadmap, you know, what process do you go through when identifying areas of opportunity? Where do you want to take the technology? What, mm -hmm. what does that look like for you? So for us, we always start with the user. I know that's a little cliched, but it... <laughs> a little bit, it's fine. <laughs> it's a little cliched, but it really is at, at the heart of our product development, whether we're talking about the next screwdriver, the next you know circular saw, or what do we want to do with the advanced um, product roadmap. So for my role, I, I am researching out in the industry 
making relationships and partnerships with our end users, with technologists and understanding what are the trends coming from the industry? What are the pain points that haven't been solved with technology or maybe the pain points that have been caused by some of the technology that's out there? Uh, and then we bring that back in into our advanced um, front-end innovation teams and really get into the ideation of how do we, how can we solve these industry problems? And then what are the technologies that we need to invest in and the competencies we need to build that will be the foundation for that future product? Mm. So what then? So with these 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 developments that you're putting out there, these changes that you're making to these different products, what sort of changes are are you looking toward? You know, is is this uh, the the you know we'll say making tools more flexible? You're trying to to make things more precise, capture information in different ways. What is it that you guys are are, are gunning toward? I think one of the big changes that you can um, look at is rather than looking at each tool as its own individual entity, we're looking more at how do we manage the whole process from the beginning of the day to the end of the day throughout your whole task, how do our tools work together. So advancing individual tools, whether it's connectivity, electronics, as well as how does the entire task you have to complete throughout the day, how is it accomplished and how is it, how can we say it's better because Milwaukee is part of it. So for some product, for our power tool products, it's the um, focus on continuing to push the portfolio with our batteries and electronics, but then on top of that, adding in things like IoT, machine learning. Um, we have a whole software platform built on our, our um, connected tools. So then what can you do with that when you know that have the visibility to your entire fleet of tools and you can create, you can digitize your QAQC processes from that. And um, so continuing to move into what is productivity, how can we improve the productivity of our users across their entire workflow throughout the day? Yeah, that's an interesting idea that you were saying, you know, how it is that, that all of your tools work together kind of in like a network. You're, you're like creating like a neural network of tools effectively by, you know, enabling, I think where I see that could potentially go and correct me if I'm wrong with some of the idea behind it is you can start, you know, gathering information from, from stage one tools, moving into stage two, stage three, and, and start kind of after you're collecting this information, start building up a repository of data that you can start doing predictive analytics for, for failing mechanisms or something else of that nature. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of the, the idea? What are your thoughts there? I think it's definitely a, a future area we're interested in. Um, we're really focused on practical solutions that meet the user where they are mm -hmm. right now. Um, so when we talk about data, we're not talking about data for the sake of data. It's how can we provide data that helps you understand your process or your quality better. Uh, for example, you know, with a power utility vertical, having the reporting on crimpers so that you, if you end up having a quality problem, you can backtrack and reduce the amount of rework that you have to do has been really valuable for them. So it's not just how do we capture all this data and throw it in a data lake that you can deal with later. It, right. It's how can we provide data that helps you make decisions about your business. Yeah, I, I heard it said the other day, uh, a, a gentleman that was on the podcast said, uh, made the analogy of, you know, uh, a poorly structured data lake isn't a data lake, it's a data sewer, right? <laughs> so, yeah, he's, he's, uh, to me, he's spot on with that, mm. uh, so credit to him. But that, I mean, that, that definitely makes sense in the sense of, you know, providing this in a way that actually you're, you're able to action something for, you're not just providing 
20 data points mm -hmm. about nothing that yes. will only ever be data, right? You don't mm -hmm. want to just deliver data. You want to deliver information, something that people can use in a coherent mm -hmm. way that, that gets them some value out of this. Hey, real quick, this is Wes. I just wanted to let you know that if you have an idea for an episode topic or a great guest suggestion, we would love to hear from you. Just send us an email at worksdoneright at cumulusds.com. Now, back to the show. Are you seeing different levels of adoption from different you know, sectors of the, the construction industry or from manufacturing? What are, what are you seeing as far as you know, the people that are really moving forward with adopting new technology? The fun part is I think that everybody's interested mm. in adopting new technology. I think people are just in different states of maturity. So when you um, meet with an end user, I know I, I was doing some research and the superintendent was a little embarrassed because he's like, we haven't, we're not really tech forward. We haven't done much technology. Like my guys are still learning iPads. That's actually better to give your guys the time to learn iPads than to shove a technology or a process down their throat right. that they're not ready for. So I think the adoption of more digital tools in your day-to-day -day life, and I mean, everybody has a smartphone an iPad, a right. TV that takes a three remotes to, to run. <laughs> right, that's right. So we are seeing that everybody from the service technician that can now use our camera, have the digital file of your inspection with the the invoice they send immediately on their iPad as they, at the time that they're at your house to the you know huge vertical construction projects where they want to track all their fleet and know productivity information and, and digital quality reporting. Everybody seems to be wanting to move forward from where they're at right now. Yeah, yeah there's definitely a, a big need in the industry. I, I'm curious, because everybody's moving forward in this direction and everybody, everybody maybe, you know, one contractor to another or one owner to another, they have, they have uh, a different product. They have a different need. They're, they're, they're kind of playing. This is a little bit different. So they might need a different resource, a different tool than what somebody else will. Mm -hmm. Uh, and in that same aspect of, you know, go to the frontline user in order to find out where the need really is, you know, maybe, maybe they're, people out there that have a need that are doing something every single day and think that there's a better way. What can a construction company that maybe doesn't have a relationship yet with Milwaukee uh, or with their tool provider, what can they do to reach out and say, hey, we have this idea, we have this need, what can you do to solve this problem? Mm -hmm. what, where's that outreach? Yeah, so we have an amazing field team that we call job site solutions so they call directly on our end users they're across all regions and they also have specific vertical focuses if you're general contractor mechanical electrical plumbing uh, power utility rescon i think even landscaping now uh, for the professional landscaper wow. so they're our front line in understanding the user building those relationships and that's what i leverage for my research when i go out so the step one is find out who your local rep is. Um, if you're not familiar, then whoever distributes your tools can always help you or you can reach out directly uh, to me. And that is where we get a lot of our product ideas. Um, for example, we just launched a new impact wrench that is came from our, one of the big focus areas came from our conversation with solar mm. install. So a lot of companies are getting into solar. It is very time intensive. It's a, a big process with a lot of repetitive tasks. 
So they came to us and were asking for how can we make this more productive? We are struggling to staff these huge solar sites that are in the middle of nowhere. We want the people that we get in the field to be have the right tools. And we found multiple ways where we could actually reduce the number of tools and number of processes they were using. And we just launched a, a new impact wrench with a, a feature we called TorqueSense mm -hmm. that has the, it's certified with the accuracy needed for solar panel install mm -hmm. with just an impact wrench. And that came directly from customers reaching out and saying, we can't keep up with this work. How can we be more productive in this process? Right. So that's um, definitely a core area we look for with with customers that want to partner with us and explore these spaces. Yeah, I mean, there, there's so much need out there. Construction, everybody knows it, is still very manual. And while maybe robotics is the solution in some areas, I think that, you know, just using a technology a tool mm -hmm. to bridge the gap between, you know, making, making humans more cyborg-like effectively if i was going to quote something from like elon musk with, mm -hmm. with what he's talking about with Neuralink or something not that mm -hmm. not that we're putting uh torque sensors in people's brains these days but you know just doing something in order to bridge that gap between mm -hmm. you know the conventional man mm -hmm. direct manpower manual labor versus you know implementing a robotic system i think mm -hmm. the natural leap is interfacing with the tools first mm -hmm. you know yeah, like and how can the tools augment the labor that you have mm, yeah, um, increasing the the skill or the the productivity turning a two-person job into a one-person job or removing mm -hmm. steps in the process has been really impactful on the job site yeah i was going to ask what some of the feedback is that you've that you've gotten from you know we'll say contractors that have implemented some of these solutions or from owners that are now operating these facilities that that were built with we'll say milwaukee tools mm -hmm. what sort of value are people seeing out of using these these new and emerging technologies the the value we really see is by focusing on um, productivity and doing the task right the first time mm -hmm. you have more confidence in install you don't have to pay for as much overtime because you're not doing rework there's less safety incidents because you don't have people in the wrong spot in the job site. So right. making sure the job is done right, you have the right tool, the right material, the right person in the right place, completing the job the first time has been really valuable and has helped with the you know quality of install and the quality of experience in the, the building afterwards. Yeah, no, that's a that's a mission that we can definitely yes. get behind with a with a show with a name like Work Done Right. Yes. I mean, this is this is definitely what we're going. And nobody for, likes right? rework. Nobody likes having to go back and and fix quality problems. No, and, and I tell you, every single job has these problems. Mm -hmm. And and a friend of mine is a gentleman that I worked with years ago. Uh, he was getting his PhD. He was doing doing his dissertation on on quality problems mm -hmm. in the industry, in the construction industry, specifically heavy industrial, uh, that in his 40 years in the industry at that point, they were still having the exact same problem. The, the problems that we were having in in you mm -hmm. know, 2018 were the same problems that we're having in 1978, mm -hmm. right? So one of the, at the root of that is rework, and at the root of that mm -hmm. is People just not having the right information or having the right tool, right? That's my my mom was actually an IBW electrician. Oh, really? In the eighties, and it's, I always knew that about her. But by the time yeah. you know, I came around, she had moved on to a different career. And it's funny with me getting back in the industry, mm -hmm. I forgot what she she was watching my kids. So she got to see 
some of the Milwaukee Tool presentation and something came up about the trades. Uh -huh. And she was like, those mechanical guys, they never care about electrical and they always route, <laughs> they always route their thing around us yeah, and they expect yeah, yeah. we can just have wires so we can move. Yeah, the right. last people on. And <laughs> that's right. They're always stepping on the cable trays. Yeah, that's right. I was like, I haven't heard her talk like that. And yeah. you know, she worked in the 80s. And when I go in the field, I'm hearing the same complaints the between same the trades and the coordination problems. Yeah. And so it is funny that you some of the persistent problems that continue with the industry. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think that things like, you know, uh, really well developed, built out, you know, BIM models and all that on the front end to, to really provide that level of clarity where everything's going mm -hmm. to be that can help circumvent some of these problems. Uh, and then, you know, as we go on and some, sure, some of these robotics tools and some of these reporting tools, they can help out bridge the gap in other areas. But really, I think, you know, where the rubber meets the road and where the biggest revolution can be is on the individual craft level and helping them get work done right the first time. And at the root of that is the tools. Mm -hmm. So I think what y'all are doing is fantastic. I uh, can't wait to see what else Milwaukee comes out with. Yes, I'm excited as well. Brand, we're coming right up on time. So I'm going to ask a few mm -hmm. last minute rapid fire questions All to get right. to know Brand Stewart, the woman, not just the professional. Uh, so what is your idea of a perfect vacation? Um, I'm little bias, I'm planning a trip to Japan with oh, my husband. Yeah. So it's That's awesome. part of why we picked Japan is because we get the mix of the big city, the outdoor and right. the historical. Yeah. And we just get trains to take us everywhere. We don't have to drive. So that, that, that is, is that, my perfect. That's maybe. a trip I've wanted to take forever. Yes. Yeah, getting my wife talked into that one. We'll see if that one. Google Maps makes it so easy yeah. in Japan. It's like step-by-step -step instructions. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. That's enjoy. Have a great time. I <laughs> what, uh, what's your favorite movie? My favorite movie. I don't watch movies. Really? <laughs> yes. I don't watch movies. And so, um, it's all like kids' movies. I'm on. I yeah. think I've watched Encanto like ten times. That's <laughs> <laughs> what about your favorite book? My favorite book. I love uh, the author N.K. Jemisin. Okay. It's kind of sci-fi fantasy uh, escapism. Nice. That, uh, yeah, she's yeah. an amazing author. Yeah, and you, mm -hmm. you you delve into these books just to kind of yes you know, get outside. Yeah, probably the the city the city we built or the city we we were is my favorite book of hers. Yeah, I'll have to look into mm -hmm. that. Uh, what is your favorite quote? Um, I think my favorite quote is. This is kind of cliche, but the Ferris Bueller, like if you don't stop every once in a while and look around, you're going to miss it all. So right. I think in our lives, like it can just be so crazy yeah. and it's always the next thing, the next fire. And so making sure to take the time and enjoying life and enjoying our families and the right. fun things. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, definitely uh, wise words to live by mm -hmm. Ferris Bueller. If you could give one piece of advice to somebody just starting off in their career, what would it be? I'd be focused on learning. You know, I think it's, we all have insecurities, but turning those insecurities into curiosity mm -hmm. is the, the best way to build a foundation of, of learning for your career. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And if you could have dinner with any one famous person, living or dead, who would it be? I'd say Elizabeth Warren. I love her. <laughs> all I right, love her yeah. mind. I love the, uh, <laughs> how nerdy she is yeah, and how yeah. she turns it into, uh, action plans. Yeah. No, that's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Brianne, thank you very much for, uh, for joining us on the show today. I hope to do this again in the future. Thank you. It's always good talking to us. Yeah. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Work Done Right podcast. 
Please help us out by subscribing and leaving us a review. And as always, our show notes are linked in this episode's description. Thank you for listening and see you next time.